so important to recognize and use all of yourself. And I think that you can't be fully empowered and you can't do fully empowered work if you don't see and work with everything that's going on within yourself. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 4. Today, I am bringing you a fun and very free-flowing conversation with my friend, Cooper Kaminsky. Cooper is an artist, a healer, and a believer of true magic. He's an intuitive empath who helps people connect to their constantly evolving soul path. His intuitive readings draw upon insight from spaces like tarot, Kabbalah, the Akashic Records, messages from spirit, and a bunch of other additional energies. He is also a certified Reiki practitioner, where his energy work is geared towards healing patterns of the self and alleviating daily tension so that you can live and operate to your fullest, most vibrant potential. I personally love that Cooper's work is inclusive, queer-friendly, holistic to self, and really centered around a more creative healing. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about a wide variety of topics, including art magic, Akashic Records, Judaism, and what it means to be a Jewitch. You heard me right, I said a Jewitch. Make sure that you listen through to the end to hear about a special offer just for the listeners of Let's Be Omnist. And with all of that said, go ahead and grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you like. Because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here is my conversation with Cooper Kaminsky. Thank you so much, Cooper, for being here on Let's Be Ominous. I am so, so excited to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Good. Yay. I specifically have some questions for you about um, your Jewish background, your magical arts, your healing arts, and I'm so excited to dive into all of that. But before we do, I would like to give the listeners a chance to get to know you better. How's that sound? That sounds amazing. I'm game for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad you said that because we are going to do my favorite thing to do with guests and we are going to play a quick game of two truths and a lie. Cool? Okay. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, go ahead and tell me two truths and one lie about yourself and I am going to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Two truths and a lie. Let's see. Um, The first one is that I once personally sang for a former president of the United States. Mm. The second one is that I won a Nabisco sweepstakes when I was in sixth grade, um, back when they did those. I don't think they do them anymore. And the third one is my first time I ever went to New Orleans. I got off the plane and I ended up in the middle of a St. Paddy's Day parade on Bourbon Street. Mm, okay. Um, these are all really interesting. Um, I <laughs> am going to say that the lie is you won on Nabisco sweepstakes. 
That is the lie. <gasps> okay. I'm so excited. Well, I'm not excited, but I'm also excited. And I'm I, not excited because okay. didn't win. <laughs> You're my first, like, guinea pig for that Nabisco sweepstakes lie. <laughs> I was really hesitant because I was like, ooh, he had to think about that. If this is yeah, the lie, my, he's a really good liar. <laughs> my sister and I were talking about it the other day. And I was like, you remember those Nabisco sweepstakes? And then we were talking about if we won a Nabisco, or if we made up winning a Nabisco sweepstakes, who would be like a believable celebrity to have like won that sweepstakes with. The closest we got was Jamie Lynn Spears. Because that just feels right, yes. you know? She would totally like, be in an Britney. Oreo commercial. I see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really funny i always as a kid was like i'm never gonna win these because who is going one cookie by cookie looking to see if they got like the one with the special stamp on it mine would yeah. already be soaked in milk by time i noticed so <laughs> <laughs> i know um, back when uh, buying junk food had a, had a real purpose <laughs> I mean, to me, it still has a purpose. <laughs> um, Same. So you mentioned that you um, sang for a former president, which means that that's a truth. Can you tell me how that happened? Yes. So, I, I mean, aside from my healing work and spiritual work, magical work, I'm, I've also been involved in the performing arts since I was a kid. And I do that professionally as an actor and musician. But when I was younger, I was in a production of Peter Pan in Vail at the Ford Amphitheater. And the Amphitheater in Vail is actually named after Gerald R. Ford, the former president. And every, I think it's every 4th of July, they do this like huge summer parade in the Vail Valley. And one summer, in, while I was in the cast of Peter Pan, we had the opportunity to just, to sing for the Fords, which was so random and weird and a, a cool kind of, I mean, I, the coolest thing it does is make a, a good truth for two yeah. truths and a lie. <laughs> I was really hesitant. I was like, oh, it's totally going to be the lie, but I'm going to go big or go home. I love that you are like both an actor and a musician. And on top of that, I believe, do you do um, like visual art as well as far as like art? Um, I wish I was more visually inclined, but that's not at all, at all where my talent <laughs> lies. I think the closest like pen to paper thing I do would just be uh, songwriting. You know, I do some lyrical stuff and some poetry, but the, okay. I, I can maybe poorly sketch like a pirate ship <laughs> and that's it that's very specific i uh <laughs> i was asking because i know that one of the i guess you could say like labels or terms that you use is that you refer to yourself as an art witch or you do like yeah uh, art and magic and i really really want to know more th about that but before we do i'm actually going to rewind and find out how you got there by saying tell me where your spiritual journey really started yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it kind of answers that question. And, and I, I identify as an art witch because of where my spiritual journey, where my spiritual journey started. Um, mm. I really feel like the first place I experienced magic was through art. I think that the artist, uh, the artist, whether it's a painter or a musician or an actor, the artist has the ability to create 
something, right? To create a manifestation of, of anything and to have it directly affect somebody on such an emotional, heart-centered way. And to be able to create feelings like this out of thin air, to me, that's, that's empathic alchemy, you know? It, mm. it's, there's something so deeply magical about that. And I, I think I first realized that as an actor, being able to create a story and being able to create a feeling out of thin air and share it with my co-actors and have an entire room feel that emotion um, was a deeply magical experience, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I rec, I mean, I, I, I would suggest anyone in the magical arts to, to take an acting class or to see more live theater because you get to see that magic in action. And I think when you can understand that, that interplay of how that exchange of energy works as an artist, then it makes it more tangible as a magical worker. Um, so I, I first realized that when I was, um, when I was young, when I was probably, well, I started doing, I started doing acting and music in elementary school, but I think I started realizing that more in high school and that was aligning, uh, with some actual spiritual study. I grew up, I, I was raised Jewish and I still hold that identity pretty strongly, but mm. I went to Jewish day school from kindergarten through uh, 12th grade. Is that and like, meaning, so your regular schooling or this was on top of like, uh, yeah, public school? regular schooling. It was, it was dual curriculum. So we had secular studies like English and math and stuff. And we also had Jewish studies. So I grew up learning Hebrew and speaking it not very well, but still speaking it. And, um, and we also had, you know, kind of more traditional Bible study, but I had this one teacher in probably freshman year of high school. And she was this definite, like B Arthur type. She was very, (laughs) very witty and kind of stubborn and very tall. <laughs> she sounds she like the perfect. The yeah. She was like this, this like classic, you know, in the fool's journey or the hero's journey, you know, the first person you meet is like the sage, the wise sage person. And she felt like that in my life. And why she felt like that too, is she started this, um, before school class, it was a meditation circle, but we also, um, started learning Kabbalah. She was teaching some kind of fundamentals in Kabbalistic studies. And that really spoke to me. And it's, it's so funny because I, you know, I was raised and very much immersed in my Jewish community, but I didn't identify with that on a spiritual level until I had this mentor who was kind of presenting the more mystical elements of that. That's so interesting. Um, um, if you don't mind, yeah. just because I, no. I hear you say that and I'm reminded that Judaism is so much more um, than just a religion or faith or a belief. It is in and of itself a culture, right? So it's like, it is just a, who you are. Um, and I think that so yes. many people hear Jewish and they automatically assume that that means religious when really uh, secular Jewish is totally is totally uh, acceptable and normal. <laughs> totally. And it's so fascinating, too, because 
Jewishness holds so many different identities. And it's it's funny because you know I'm not I'm not a huge label person, but the labels and identities that I am drawn to in my life, like a uh, Jewish person, a, an artist, a witch, it's all they're all very broad identities. But there's so much um, richness in all of these different pools. I think. Yeah, it's like you have. Um, I don't know. There was something that you said. Oh, you said richness. For me, I was like, it's like you have all these different flavors to combine, um, but they're not just like, oh, you know, like uh, salty. It's like these rich, robust. There is flavors within each of these flavors that combines into what I think and what I've witnessed from you to be a very beautiful melding. So when was it that you, after that Kabbalah teachings, when would you say that from there you really dove into um, more of your mystic studies? Yeah, so I I went to college in uh, Boston for music, and Boston is a spooky-ass town. It's <laughs> so cool, and I love it. Like, you literally have to walk through cemeteries to get around, and it what had been the oldest city I had lived in. And there's, it, there's, it's a very spiritually charged place. You know, there's, there's mm. a presence of spirits there because it's so old. Uh, also, I mean, Salem and Boston and, and it's history with witches is so prominent there. And I, I really do credit <laughs> the spirits of Boston kind of pushing me in the right direction, sparking that interest in magical studies. But mm. it wasn't until I went to New Orleans for the first time where I really, I, I don't want to say I discovered it, but I, I want to say that like spirituality really found me. And I think as spiritual workers that it, it finds you, you know, it finds mm. you and it, it pulls you in and, you don't have any choice but to listen to it and start learning. Right. Um, well, and, and in your case, you definitely had no choice because uh, you got swept up into a parade and dragged right into it. <laughs> they greeted you with music and bands and all sorts of stuff. It was crazy. I, yeah, it was funny that it was St. Patty's Day. Like, it felt like Mardi Gras just because people were celebrating hardcore. And then the rest of my trip was interesting because I just felt, I felt so in love with the city. And there's so much magic there. And I don't think I realized that at the time that New Orleans is such a charged place magically. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my first kind of spark and magnetism was more towards the art in the city. But that's also, I mean, areas where there's, you know, heightened magic, there's also heightened art. And New Orleans is the perfect example of that. And it was also the first place I ever had a tarot reading. And so oh. I had a reading at, at like <laughs> one in the morning in Jackson Square. And it was interesting. I mean, there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of like crossroads energy showing up. I had this reading and then there was this, um, there were these like, you know, like punk kids, uh, anarchists with, um, like two black hounds and they started barking in the middle of the reading and um it was super late and almost a little rainy and it was just it felt like this really interesting opening and the next day i was in the back of a conjure shop on like somewhere in the french quarter 
Okay. And my tarot deck found me, and I started learning that day. And I, I, I really feel like my trip to New Orleans was when I really started, like, doing the work. I pictured that whole thing in, like, a grainy film noir, like, <laughs> this really soft jazz in the background as you find yourself in a, the back of a conjure shop by your first tarot deck. It was beautiful. It was a good, it was a good scene. <laughs> good. You, you need to add the extra detail of me probably having powdered sugar on my shirt from eating too many beignets. That, that's perfect. It just adds <laughs> that touch of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so tarot, I guess, is then where you started your your more magical witchcraft journey. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, with that too, I also kind of want to go back a little bit because uh, my first job ever in the workforce as a kid, I was probably fourteen years old, and I was a walk around magician at an Italian restaurant what? <laughs> in Denver, <laughs> um, and that. I I was always drawn to that kind of magic. And I think mm-hmm. part of it was because I, you know, I grew up in a very Jewish home and like traditionally anything magical is not really allowed. And I think leaning into magic tricks was my way to tap into kind of wonder, you know, and, and, and magic. Um, yeah. So cards have always spoke to me, you know, um, so tarot just felt it like it just felt right. Okay, I definitely understand that. As a kid um, here in Daytona Beach, there's this tiny little shop tucked away in historic district called Daytona Magic, and it's the smallest little store. Like you have to catch, you have to catch it at the right time to see the sign. And I was in there every yeah. weekend with my dad, like begging him, just buy me one trick, like just one of the five dollar <laughs> tricks that I can learn for dinner on Sunday. You know? Yeah. Um, so I totally understand how like magic tricks leads into more interesting things. And then you fall down the whole like Harry Potter, Sabrina, the teenage witch hole. And it just, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> so <laughs> you started with magic tricks and then into tarot. And then when did you start adding in all of your other like healing works? Do you mind talking about some of those practices? Yeah, absolutely. It, it honestly came with community. I was reading, I, I was taking, when I was living in New York, I had a couple uh, clients here and there, but I wasn't reading, I didn't really call myself a full-on reader yet until I moved back to Denver. And I, um, gosh, it was probably three years ago, I was a reader for a little while at a shop in Denver called Ritual Craft. And I really feel like that space was uh, an incubator for my spiritual work. It was a place where I could come and do my readings and also get to know other readers and workers in the community. And through, honestly, through the Denver uh, pagan and spiritual community, I met a couple mentors there. And knowing how it, knowing what it's like to, to, to be an intuitive, I know like what they were feeling when they were kind of giving me those little nudges in the right direction. <laughs> mm. um, and I dove in in certain ways. And I think the first work that I started doing that was, that felt kind of bigger than tarot was when I started reading more books about working with my spirit guides mm-hmm. and really actively like making spirit contact, uh, part of my regular practice. And I, I, I've always 
I've always done a little bit of um, kind of elemental earth magic and that that kind of stuff um, for the last like oh gosh maybe twelve years anyway because um, there's a lot in like Kabbalistic work that is kind of earth magicy and um, I'm a big fan of. Scott Cunningham's books on on Wicca. There's some really important fundamental concepts in there. Right, the uh, classics. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, at least to me, I guess. <laughs> I shouldn't assume for listeners, but I call those the classics. Totally, I, and I think they are classics. And I, regardless of whether you are practicing Wicca or not, I think that there's some, there's just some really great, there's really great material and great mm-hmm. springboards. Um, for anyone interested in uh, their past, their witch past. <laughs> so where did you start like um, blending? Cause I know now you do kind of a combination of all of these things, right? You still do tarot. You, um, you mentioned that you started doing more like spirit guide contact. Um, is that what kind of then drew you into Akashic records work? Can you explain what Akashic records are for listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, that is uh, how that how that happened. The Akashic Records. I like to explain the Akashic Records as your soul's book of life energy. Uh, our soul carries an imprint with us through every one of our lifetimes, and with that energetic imprint, there's the essence of who we are, but there's also the patterns that we've experienced in past lifetimes and the patterns that we keep repeating in this lifetime and beyond. And the Akashic Records is, to me, it's it's a channeled field to access those patterns and those energetic imprints of your soul. Mm-hmm. And it's related, you know, it's compared a lot to this book of life energy that we see show up in so many different faiths and spiritualities around the world. The Akashic Records is a, um, is a access point for that book of life energy. And what is cool too is, uh, our guides and our ascended masters serve as the, kind of keepers and guardians of these records. So we are not only turning to these energetic patterns, we're also turning to these guardians that can help guide us through our own book of life in the present. Okay. So um, that's something that you do for clients, right? It's not just for you. You are actually doing this for other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I say, and I, I think every Akashic, worker knows that the Akashic Records is something that anyone can access with uh, mentorship or practice. It's a channeled realm. Uh, But yeah, I I do a lot of Akashic work for my clients. I help them open up the records and it shifts the the energy of the space you're in, being able to kind of open up your field to to call down that uh, frequency. It, it shifts the energy. So I like to open the Akashic Records before all of my readings, uh, whether it's tarot or more spirit-driven work, um, or even with some of my distance healing work. I, I like to incorporate the Akashic Records just because it adds another layer of really important insight. 
I am so interested in some of the vocabulary you just used in that you said you open the Akashic Records and you draw it down, which is interesting to me because I've always pictured someone accessing the Akashic Records. And I mean, I'm sure it's different for different uh, practitioners, but I've always pictured it as more of like a crown chakra access where it's you going to the Akashic Records. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's yeah. Like an upward motion, but it sounds like it's something for you where it's you just kind of open it up and access it on your own level. Does that make sense? Is that a- yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's it's a little bit of both. There's a lot that goes into like the crown chakra and, and that aspect of opening up to it. But I also think whenever you're doing any sort of spirit work or channeling, you're also serving, you are, you know, the vessel and the funnel for whatever sort of insight is coming through. Mm. And because what is showing up in the Akashic Records is so energetic, when I say drawing it down, I, I feel like that's my way of kind of uh, decrypting it and translating okay. what's coming through. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's like saying, um, like, oh, I got a download. I've heard other people kind of use that phrase. So um, yeah. that makes sense. I was picturing you like, because uh, I'm obviously today very visual for some reason. I pictured you saying like, all right, the Akashic records are somewhere above me and I'm like dropping that realm into this realm so that it's like, you know what I mean? Almost like you took the second yeah. story and you put it on the first story and made them one. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it's like kind of this layering. Um, yeah. that, I mean, there's, there's almost an element to that, except I think that it's all... I mean, it's all happening at the same time. Like, I this this exact moment is a page, or even something as minuscule as a word in your akashic records. You know, like this moment is part of this fabric that makes up your book of life and makes up the akashic records. Time and quantum it's, physics are um, not. They make my head hurt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're talking about time and it's already happening. It's already in the book and I'm already lost. You lost me. Um, but it, was, I, it makes sense. I do yeah. want to ask, so with all of the things that you do, because I know I just kind of took you through a crash course in Cooper, um, what, are, like, what would you say is your favorite modality or like your favorite work that you're currently doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, uh, honestly, more mediumship has been showing up, and that has been really humbling <laughs> and really eye-opening and incredibly tender and and intense. <laughs> That's felt really, really special to me. When you say mediumship, I know some people use that word slightly differently. So are you speaking specifically on work with um, like ancestors and deceased loved ones or talking more yeah. like, okay, I wasn't sure. Some people also use mediumship to reference spirit guides, ascended masters, or even a combination of all, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I honestly think that I needed to do enough work with spirit guides and ascended masters uh, before I could start working with closer loved ones. Mm-hmm. And it's because, I mean, often the deceased and, you know, our, our more recent ancestors and our loved ones, they're, they're still going through their own process of healing. Our spirit guides, I feel, in, in, in my experience and my work, 
our spirit guides are our ancestors, but they're much, 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 much older ancestors, whether they're collective ancestors or personal ancestors. And that's really beautiful. I like that concept. Thanks. I, I, I like it too. I, I think it rings true as well. And especially working with some past life stuff in the Akashic records, you see how the spirit guides have been with your soul for, you know, certain periods of time. So I, it, it feels like it can be a almost safer and easier access point to start with spirit guide contact and spirit guide work before you work with more recently deceased. And I think, you know, you can also use your spirit guides to assist in that contact as well. And that has been a huge part of my practice lately. And it's been really, really special. I uh, personally have been, I'm not going to necessarily say that I've been pursuing mediumship, but I will say that mediumship has been pursuing me pretty heavily lately. So part of me is like, of course he said mediumship. How dare he bring up that topic? (laughs) Hunting me everywhere I go. Showing up again. (laughs) Um, But I know that it is something where people say, you know, it is a heavier energy or a denser energy. So it, it certainly makes sense that you're essentially saying that you got yourself used to that contact um, and uh, dealing with spirit in general before you really dove into some of the, what I've heard to be more denser or heavier energies um, because they are closer to home, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking kind of about spiritual and energetic planes a few minutes ago with the Akashic record. <laughs> right. And I think with that too, our guides are operating in really high planes of energy mm-hmm. and our more, our deceased spirits, they're a little bit closer. You know, they're, they're at a plane that's a little lower <laughs> than our guides. Yeah. Um, so of course it feels denser. I mean, I I'm going to sound really, really gay talking about this, but I was watching this interview with RuPaul and Oprah. You can and, totally this is my field. I get it. I hear you. You're speaking right, my spirituality good. right that's, now. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, it. no, I I was just like, oh, RuPaul and Oprah, I, I need to watch this because it's my birthright. So <laughs> I was watching this video and they they were like, I think it was for one of Oprah's Super Soul Sundays. And it's interesting because they're both, I mean, as, as massive as their celebrity is, they're both very, very deeply spiritual people. Mm-hmm. And they were both talking about how the human plane is a very dense one. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think this <laughs> world that we're in and this energetic experience that we're in as, as people is a very, very dense one compared to, you know, higher planes, higher frequencies of, of energy. And I mean, going back to spirit work, I think that the recently deceased are, are functioning somewhere between our dense human zone and that higher spirit guide plane. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And I am, I have written down RuPaul, Oprah, find episode. So I am, <laughs> I'm hunting that down right after this call. I am so excited. Do it. It's worth it. <laughs> uh, I do want to, um, I keep forgetting to ask you. So you said that this is something that's kind of coming up 
more recently for you, or you've been just really diving into it maybe a little bit more recently? Are you doing this specifically as your own work or are you um, just kind of opening this up to clientele? Where have you kind of been recently with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've been doing it as my own work for a while now. And I think for anyone that's interested in exploring the world of spirit communication, working directly with your ancestors is is one of the most healing things you could do for yourself and for your ancestral lineage. That's so important. Um, but I have been doing it um, for clients recently. I had the opportunity to host a seance at a design college in Denver um, the week after Salon. It was going to be on Halloween, but we had a huge storm <laughs> in Denver. So we did it a couple weeks later on the full moon. And that was really beautiful. There were, it was a circle of 22 students and we linked up with I think, 13 different spirits. And it's, it's one of those things that I really cherish doing that. And I think for those, for people and clients that are interested in it, talk to me about it. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a listed service on my website because I, I, I think that it's such a personal yeah. of reading and a personal type of experience that if I, if, if somebody wants that kind of service, then I'm happy to do it, you know, word of mouth. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if, um, when you say that you'd, you know, been really diving into it more, if you meant um, specifically with your own ancestors and your own work, or if you were working with other people. Um, but you did say the word ancestors more than once. Are you finding that through this mediumship work and working with your own ancestors and kind of tapping into that, that it's changing anything else about your spirituality or like opening anything else up? Yes, <laughs> of course. Um, it, it's definitely linked me up more with my Jewish lineage and my Jewish ancestry. And it's interesting, too, because the, the big shift that kind of opened my work up in, in more of a mediumistic direction was actually through my Reiki training. Um, mm. I had... During my second attunement, I was actually asked to, by my Reiki master to do a healing, uh, a distance healing on uh, a deceased person. And whoa, that whoa, was... whoa, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that Reiki crossed into that world. It absolutely can. And I, it was interesting because. I mean, so Reiki level two traditionally in the in the uh, Yusui um, tradition, it it gives you the ability to do distance healing. So, if you can do distance healing, you could do healing work through time and space. Which I mean, not to get quantum again. I mean, go <laughs> but, for it. It's okay. I can handle it. <laughs> um, but there's you know there's there's some tools that show up where you you could do that if you tap into the the spirit that you're working with and if they are open to it and if they're welcoming it and so that was really it was interesting and honestly like i wasn't even sure i was ready to do like you know to heal like grandma long distance two states over <laughs> um 
but it was such an opening part of my like personal journey. And I was like, Oh wow. Like I, this, 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 I mean, I, Reiki is, is a really special practice to me and it's a big part of my, um, my work, you know, I offer it as a service, but that was a big part of connecting more to the mediumship because it really showed up as a, as a functioning like physical thing in my life. And it also connected me up to my, my heritage again, like my Jewish ancestry in an interesting way. I, um, I, my dad's side of the family, um, we're Kohen, which means that we're descendants from Moses's brother, Aaron, who was the first priest of Israel. Is this traceable? It is traceable. They've done DNA tests with people who, um, like claim they're like in the Kohen lineage and it's traceable. And they've actually been able to trace it like for a while now, like before all this ancestry.com stuff, oh, which man. is fascinating. Writing it down and looking into this. <laughs> I know it's, it's cool. Um, but what's interesting is every high holiday. So like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the Kohanes in a Jewish congregation do a blessing for the, for the congregants with their hands. And I had this realization once I started doing more of a regular Reiki practice that there was something really ancestral with doing healing work with my hands in this way. It felt like it was connecting me up to my Kohen lineage and that's not really big and special. That's so cool. That's like, you know, so many people talk about, like you see all those t-shirts now that are like where the grandkids of the witches you couldn't burn and people are always trying to tie themselves back to like Salem and all these other traditional witchcraft lineages. But to hear you say yeah. like that that is something that you know to be in your bloodline and on top of that, like you have this spiritual connection of doing similar things that have been in the practice for such a long time, that is beautiful. I am yeah. awe. <laughs> um, I just feel like <laughs> I want. Too. I'm. I'm going to be like, all right. Cooper is the only person that will I will ever allow to do Reiki or healing for the rest of my life. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> sign me up. I got the good stuff. It's organic. It's free range. I got it. <laughs> it's free range. Yeah, it's free range. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and it's, so, it's funny how that's shown up in other as- realms too. Um, there's some interesting like commentaries and, and like passages in Jewish writing kind of not encouraging magic work and divination and that kind of stuff. But I had read two through kind of connecting the dots between Reiki and um, like the Kohen duties that the Kohanes, the high priests, were one of the only people who was who were like biblically allowed to practice divination back, you know, during those times, which is interesting. And it's 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 interesting seeing passages show up not just with like you know doing healing and blessings with your hands, but also doing divination in this specific lineage. And that was really eye-opening too. That again, like the magic was connecting me back to my, to my ancestry, to my, to my roots. It's so interesting to hear you talk about that because like, I always kind of admired 
um, the Jewish faith because I thought that there was more of a mysticism or an encouragement of that. But it sounds like you're saying quite the opposite, that it's not encouraged or it's not really something that's discussed a lot. It's interesting because, I mean, and uh, there's, I mean, we have a saying, like, if, if you're Jewish, you ask one question and give three different answers. And I think that really applies. And I, I know we've been kind of talking beforehand about my, like, Jewish identity. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this is where that comes in a little bit. Uh, as far as magical practice, there's some really interesting perspectives on it. In some of the older texts, it talks about how certain malicious magical practices are not allowed, like cursing, hexing, uh, necromancy. Um, But any sort of healing or love magic is absolutely allowed. Like if it has the ability to heal, then it's welcome. Hmm. which is interesting and beautiful. Um, But then there's also some scholars, um, older and and current, um, and I've talked to a few magical, Jewish magical workers about this, and a lot of the commentary advises against it for sake of uh, licensure, you know? Um, Like, stay away from it, because there are frauds out there, and they can, they can, they can hurt you, um, which is interesting. And so it's there's this kind of Jewish ideal when it comes to magic and superstition that it's like, well, we don't really believe in it or practice it, but just in case, let's take these precautions. And okay, so it's more like a tiptoe around it if you're going to even attempt it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then in the context of, of like Jewish history and, and Jewish folk magic, especially in the Middle Ages and in Europe, and there's so much magical practice that's such an integral part of Jewish life. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it, too, is in the ritual. I mean, candles are such a huge part of Jewish practice. Like when I see candles being used in any sort of Jewish holiday, it's, it's absolutely candle magic. Yeah. And that makes there's, sense. there's a lot of other rituals like that. You know, there's very specific types of offering works and fast days. And there's a lot of magic in Judaism, but it's not necessarily look, necessarily looked at through that lens. Unless you start getting a little more Kabbalistic <laughs> with it. It's been like sectioned off and said like, oh, no, 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 this isn't magic anymore. Now this is just Judaism. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, and I, I hasn't that happened to, to with so many, you know, more, I, I guess, post-Judeo spirituality. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Cause if you look at even, um, like Catholicism is familiar to me and, you know, like lighting prayer candles and praying to saints and calling in archangels, like that's oh, yeah. fairly acceptable for most. Yeah. You got Catholic your candles, practices. you got your saints, your incenses. Yeah. It's, it's all there. But if you call on a saint that is not on the approved list on the wrong day, you're a witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I, I definitely yeah. understand that concept of like, what has kind of been accepted as this is our practice, but everything else outside of these lines is we acknowledge it, but like, don't tell us, you know, 
it's there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a sense of, of protocol that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less so the tiptoeing, but more of just like, you know, like sticking to protocol, which is interesting. And I think it adds a, a very unique flavor of integrity um, in certain magical practices. It's, it's fascinating to study historically, I think. I find myself constantly drawn back to that whole world all the time. And so I, here we go, like just the universe again, presenting me something I guess I should look at a little more. Um, I want to just really quickly rewind a little bit. And I'm really interested in how um, perhaps your spirituality may change or adjust the other arts that you do. Because I know that we touched on that at the beginning of the episode as well. I know that you like said you've always been in the arts, you've always been doing music and acting, and then you found your spiritual path. And I know that you still are involved in the arts. Do you find that that like the two are affecting each other? Do you find that like your performing is affected at all now by your spiritual practice? Yeah, I think my understanding of what's happening spiritually and energetically on a stage, I'm a little more aware of that now. And I think because of that, I can, I can savor that creative process on a deeper level than I've been able to before. Mm, also sense. through, I mean, magic is, you can say magic is the practice of turning stories into things, you know, <laughs> or using stories to create, to manifest. And I think that you can imbue any sort of art with that magical awareness you know you could turn anything you're creating into a spell into a magical process um and i I definitely have carried that with me more in the arts now than i had before for sure i um again one of the reasons that i really wanted to talk to you and i wanted to bring you on the show is i just find that every time you talk about something or I catch you on social media, there's just this really beautiful way that you weave your whole life into like this one tapestry. Oftentimes I find that people, when they share, they, you know, like, oh, I'm going to share my performing arts and then I'm going to share my magic and I'm going to share like this or that. And you Mm. can see like this clear distinction, but you have just such a beautiful way of like bringing all these things together and I think that's also why I'm like, let me rewind. Let me bring this back. Cause it's so hard to <laughs> like the end point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, kind of is all melded into one big pot because flavor is, seems to be the topic of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you had to leave listeners with one really good piece of advice or information that you've learned in all of your time, in all of your fields, what would you say is like the one nugget of truth that stuck with you this whole time? Yeah. Good question. Well, (laughs) I mean, I think it it goes back to what you were saying about this, my, my melting pot (laughs) experience. Uh, It's so important to recognize and use all of yourself. And I think that you can't be fully empowered and you can't do fully empowered work if you don't see and work with everything that's going on within yourself. That wholeness is so important to walking any sort of path. That's, that's what I really feel. I resonate with that. I hear you. I see you. I agree. That is really, really well said. So thank you for that. 
Thank um, you. If people wanted to find you on the internet, uh, book a service with you, become your new best friend, what is the best way for them to uh, catch up with you? Yeah. Well, you could catch up with me on Instagram, which is just my handle my name, at Cooper Kaminsky, uh, no spaces. Or if you're interested in booking a session, I, I do in-person readings and Reiki in Denver, but I also do telephone readings and uh, distance healing work um, that you could book on my website. It's just my name, again, CooperKaminsky.com. I'm also on Facebook, too, Cooper Kaminsky Intuitive Arts. I, I try to keep my name there just for sake of making it as easy as possible for people to connect because connection is what it's all about. I'm slightly jealous if I had a less common name, I would do the same. So um, nice and easy to remember. <laughs> um, I will make sure that I leave all of your information in the episode notes below wherever listeners are listening in from so that they can easily access all of that. Um, Amazing. So thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. Everything that you've said has been so insightful and I honestly have so much homework to do now. <laughs> so thank you uh, for sparking all of that interest. Thank you so much for listening. I, I really appreciate being on the show and chatting about all the things that I love. Of course. Well, um, hopefully we can hear from you again soon. Thank you. All right, all right. That was my conversation with Cooper. Cooper is certainly an amazing wealth of knowledge on the magical and healing arts, so I highly recommend that you get to know him. Be sure to check out Cooper's work over on his website, cooperkaminsky.com, or follow him on Instagram under at cooperkaminsky. Cooper has actually graciously offered 10% off all of his services on his website to any listeners of Let's Be Omnist. So if you decide to work with him, you can use offer code OMNIST, that's all capital O-M-N-I-S-T, when you book any session with Cooper at cooperkaminsky.com. While you're out there perusing the interwebs, please make sure that you take the time to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me at The Diviner Life. Of course, you'll also want to click the subscribe button wherever it is that you are listening in from. That way you are notified when the newest episodes are launched and ready. Speaking of new episodes, next week, make sure that you tune in to hear my conversation with animal communicator Mitchell Osborne as he discusses his work psychically connecting with people's pets, past, and living. Thank you for listening. Remember to share with your actor friends, your rabbi, your Reiki healer, or whoever else you may come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you. I appreciate you. And until next time, be true, be you, be omnist. <laughs>